Well, first of all, it turned my life upside down. I was trained by my church, and I am so grateful. I was trained for six months about who God is and who I am and everything, and that was so important because I received from reading the Bible, from praying, I received that strength and boldness that was necessary for me to go to the courtroom and defend those Christians. But in the same time, the more I defended Christians, the more I became the target. The government called me an enemy of the state and my legal work an act of treason. And they arrested me every single day. They would beat me, torture me and say, you need to stop. Funny church introduction. How do you crack your voice like that? I don't know. It's He's a just gift. permanently in I've tried to figure it out. It just happens naturally. That's the best. Maybe it's the Lord telling you not to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, guys, about funny church introductions. I just had one not long ago where I spoke at a church and the pastor got up and he said, I know absolutely nothing about this, brother. <laughs> Those were almost his exact words. Someone else from the church had invited me. So yeah, that was uh, one of the best. Ray, you had a good one. I think we talked about it on the program. Did where, we? Where a guy in Texas stood up and he said, Billy Graham said of Ray Comfort, who's Ray Comfort? Oh, yes, that's right. And he sat down. And I had, <laughs> I had to get up and carry on after I've that. actually used that myself about you. That's good. We get a good laugh out of it. Yeah, you guys have never been introduced, so you wouldn't know. Uh, I introduce Mark all the time. Do you? Yeah, whenever we go out to eat. We go to BJ's Pizza. <laughs> this is your Still favorite customer. <laughs> he tries to introduce me to new food, to yeah. go to new restaurants that I've never been to. I like comfort food. And I like things For those that who don't know, if, if it is not made like in a very specific way, Mark refuses to eat it. If it smells not that I different, refuse to eat it, I just won't eat it. If it doesn't look like it belongs in a McDonald's, he's not eating it. <laughs> Speaking of which, I had McDonald's three days in a row when I was in Europe. Because nothing mm, was open monster. when I was done speaking. Mark, do you remember we went to Paris? Yes. This is years ago. We, we got flown to Paris, and um, all these restaurants everywhere, and we went straight to McDonald's. Straight to McDonald's. <laughs> really? Stupid. And see, you think I have it's gourmet rule. food over there, maybe? Yeah. I have a rule that when I travel, I want to eat somewhere local that I can't eat if I was back home. Well, you're a foodie. That's a true foodie right there. But it causes a lot of controversy when Mark and I travel together because I'm always looking for something unique and he's always trying to get me to go to like... BJ's. Outback Did you try to find a BJ's in England, Mark? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't. But I look for a BJ's everywhere we go. Yeah. I love it. I could eat it every day. It's simple. I tell Soup my kids I eat McDonald's to remember how much I don't like it. So I have to keep but when I travel with you, McDonald's is the first place we go to. Yeah, it is. That's funny. Well, though. breakfast, because I, I got to have the Egg McMuffin. That's the only time good. in 10 years I've ever been to McDonald's is with you. Really? 100%. Yeah. Again, just to remember how bad it is and how much I don't like it. Right? You eat McDonald's? No, I eat Taco Bell. <laughs> I'll eat anything if I'm hungry. I, yeah. I, like, I like those foods because when you travel to another country, you just feel as though they're clean and you can trust them. Yeah. You know what's in it. The best is when I was in New Zealand and we passed by a Kentucky Fried Chicken. I go, oh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. The girl goes, oh, you have those in the United States? <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky yes, Fried. It was the best. See, Ray, what you just said, you want to eat there because you know what's in the food. I have found that when I don't know what's in the food, that's when it tastes the best. Yeah. The cockroaches, the little crunchies in there. <laughs> as long as it's delightful. Well, guys, a little bit of vindication here. We had a comment come in. 
through our podcast platform from Alessis Maya. I listen to this podcast daily because it is so rich and full of wisdom from Easy's angelic voice. Deceived. To every dad joke told by Ray, I really do enjoy every aspect of this podcast. Thank you, Alessis. I think that's how you say your name for writing in. And friends, if you haven't left us a comment, please do give us a review so and check out the podcast. Listen, yeah. before you read that, Ray, when uh, I was Ray in England great. recently, there was a gentleman that came up to me and said that he absolutely loves your rapping. You need to do a, a whole video on how to rap. Yeah. He, uh, he loves the dad jokes. Oh, yeah, you sent me that video. That's right. But what I didn't put on the video is him saying, how does Easy get his voice so high? <laughs> I kid you not. He really said that. I don't know, man. It's a gift. Sounded like uh, Mike Tyson. <laughs> Sounded like a cartoon character. We don't <laughs> want to upset right? Mike Tyson. <laughs> oh, no. We've already upset McDonald's do today. We don't want to upset Mike Tyson. This is the Offend Everyone podcast. Ray, you got something to read? Yeah, someone sent us uh, an email this morning. It's from Ben Smith. Familiar with that name? He said, my wife Lucille managed to pass a good person tract to none other than the Queen's son, Prince Edward. What? They were over there for the 70th Jubilee. Oh. And so that's really neat. And, she, and Ben said, we know that he's no one special, but these people, celebrities and well-known people, can have huge influence oh, on yeah. the whole world. Imagine him coming out and saying, I'm born again. I trust yeah. in Jesus Christ. And so, uh, you know, we've gotten, we've gotten uh, emails like that throughout the years, haven't we? Of people that have given, you know, our tracks to celebrities and... That's yeah, really encouraging. yeah we, we had a lot of pictures of them, people giving tracks to different celebrities. Yeah. We threw yeah. them out. Exciting stuff. All right, guys. Well, today we have a special podcast. You're not going to hear a lot from us here at the table, but Eddie and Miguel were over at the NRB, National Religious Should Broadcasters. Should we say who Eddie and Miguel are? Uh, tell everybody. Well, Miguel's the manager of our ministry, and Eddie's our director producer of our television program. Yeah, Miguel is the Vice President of Outreach and Operations. And yeah, Eddie does uh, our television stuff. And they went over to the NRB as... Our uh, television stuff. Yeah, our television stuff. The award-winning international program. 190 plus countries around the world. Millions of viewers. How dare you? I'm just humble and modest, unlike you guys. But yeah, they went to the same thing you went to. Thing? Uh, (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to the Thing Stuff Program, stuffy, Mr. Linguistic. Stuffy things. I'm dumbing it down for you guys today. But we had done the, the program where you guys interviewed Ken Ham. We did that podcast. And uh, Eddie and Miguel talked to an amazing sister named Virginia Prodan, who's from Romania. And she has a fascinating story about how she was going to be assassinated. She was under uh, Ceausescu's communist regime and man, her story is is absolutely amazing. I've met the sister actually. I, I think at the Bible Bee, she came up to me, and gave What's me her, her book, Virginia Perdon. Oh, and Mark, you listened to her this morning. Did you enjoy it? It was so great. Yeah. yeah. So what did you think about powerful. it, Ray? Yeah, Ray. Yeah, Ray. Yeah, Ray. I just thought what Mark's testimony said was great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Listen, friends. If you guys, if you guys like this, by the way, where we, it's a little bit different because it's focused on a testimony and a way in which God has worked in this sister's life. And if you like this kind of format, if you'd like to hear more testimonies on the podcast. And less of us. Leave us a review and let us know there, or send us an email at podcast at livingwaters.com. Let us know what you think about this format, because it is a little bit different, and we'd love to hear if you if you want to hear more testimonies like this. Yeah, and as Alpha Beta used to say years back, tell a friend. Do you guys remember that? Tell a friend? The grocery store. I remember the grocery Beta? store. 
Oh man, you guys don't know anything. Right? We, I will fight for you. Oh, Larry Parker, <laughs> that one you know. <laughs> All right, friends, without any further ado, be edified and encouraged by how God works mightily in the lives of his people. Here's our sister, Virginia Prodan. We are here at the NRB convention in Nashville, and there's a lot going on. We're right in the middle of the expo hall, so you're probably going to hear some noise during this podcast. But being at the expo, we meet a lot of people from different corners of Christianity, and someone came by our booth whose story was just so amazing and just a great picture of God's just amazing power that uh, I couldn't let her go. So she is here with us at our booth today. So joining me today is Miguel Esparza, the Vice President of Outreach for Living Waters, and we are sitting here with Virginia Prodan, who is a author, speaker, and international attorney. And the reason she's an author and a speaker is because of the amazing thing that she's been through. Most of you listening to this probably don't live under an oppressive communist regime. And thankfully, most of us don't live under the lawless leadership of a guy like Nikolai Ceausescu. But Virginia's story happened right in the middle of that. So, Virginia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Eddie. I am honored to be here, and I hope my story and my message will encourage many. Well, it encouraged us just by listening to you for the five minutes that we did. You, you wrote a book. I'm holding it here. It's called Saving My Assassin. Yeah. Most people don't think about saving their assassin. They think about fleeing from their assassin. But your, your story is pretty amazing. So uh, could you tell us just what happened to you? We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and the podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. First of all, I want to say that God wrote his story in my life long before I scribe it into my memoir, Saving My Assassin. Mm. And he is the hero of my story. I'm not a hero. I am a tool in God's hands. And God can use you as you listen for his glory. Uh, God changed Romania through me. I'm under five feet tall. At that time, I was 82 pounds, and I fought against a giant, a dictator, and I'm alive, and he is dead. You can read my memoir, Saving My Assassin. And by the way, you can find it at virginiaprodanbooks.com slash product slash book, and you can find in details, stories about how God used me and his power is that gave me the courage and the boldness to fight against the dictator and be alive. So again, you can do that too. So Virginia, a lot of people who 
listen to this podcast are kind of like me. They're familiar with a lot of American history, but we know, don't know too much about places like Romania. What was it like living in Romania under Nicolae Ceausescu? I remember um, as a young child, maybe I was six years old, when I watched my parents being politically correct outside of home and doing and agreeing with the government who will take their rights every single day. But I also watched them inside of our home whispering how horrible the government is and how tomorrow the government will take more rights. So you can imagine as a kid, I felt very insecure thinking my parents will not protect me and I don't count for the government. But also I noticed that a fire started to build inside of me because I was started to wonder why adults know the truth because they were sharing inside the home but not speaking up and why they don't fight for the truth. So I decided then because I had lawyers in my family and I realized that they had questions, they will whisper the answer to us but not speaking up. I thought that I found a way. I said to myself, I'll go to law school and I'll find the truth and I'll speak up for the truth. I want to take a moment and say to your listeners, you know, in your life, you always think about and say, oh, this is not right, needs to be changed. Talk with God about this and make sure that he is not giving you that mission the skills and talents that he put in you, you might be on your way to discover your mission in life. At that time, I didn't know Christ, but I thought that that was my mission. As I will explain it later, that was the mission that God put in, in my life. Yeah. So ask God, what is that mission that God put in, in your heart? Yeah, Virginia, you alluded right now to the truth that there's a battle right now, even in present time here in the United States, for truth. And when you said the word truth, it reminded me of John chapter 8, I think it's verse 31, 32, where Jesus said, if you abide in me, if you abide in my teachings, you will be my disciple and you will know the truth and, and the, the truth, truth will set, set you, free. you free. Can yes. you elaborate a little bit? Yes, exactly. Well, first of all, I want to say that in the 30-something years that I have been here in, in America, I noticed that even Christians, many of them are fearful, and many of them, they're thinking, oh, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose my stand with other people if I will remain in God and defend what I believe in. So you're talking about Christians are afraid to evangelize, to share yes. the gospel, yes. because they, they're afraid some consequence is going to exactly, happen. Exactly. But from my own experience, as I will explain, you do not lose anything because in Christ you are more than conquerors. And here or in heaven, if they will kill us, we are more than conquerors and we know that we have a place. So let me ask you this. So you were working as a lawyer uh -huh. in Romania. What was it that you could not talk about? What was it that was against the government that could 
caused you to end up in trouble, end up in jail? Like, what, what were the things you were not permitted to do? Okay. Uh, first of all, I went to law school thinking that I'm going to find the truth in the law books. Yeah. And I practiced for a period of time, maybe a year or two, and I found myself very discouraged. And I came to my office and I put my briefcase on my secretary's desk and say, I can't find the truth. I want to give up. And she looked up at me like, what are you dreaming? Where have you been? And she gave me three files and said, those are the people that will come to uh, you this afternoon and there is a man in your office. And as I walk inside of my office, I recognize the client. I have been working with him for a long time and he was so different than anyone else. He had a joy in a joyless land. He had hope in a hopeless land. And many times I said to myself, this man is crazy. I need to fix him. But I never had the time because I had clients after clients. But that day, as I was looking for the truth, I thought that I can find the truth. I was in my office and in front of me, I see again that face full of joy and full of peace. I found myself saying, I wish I had in my life what you have in your life. In the middle of that time of period, in the middle of all the oppression, exactly. you notice that this man had, was some, had something different. Exactly. Because you are so right. Just few months before the dictator declared himself a god and churches will recognize him as a god, Orthodox Church will recognize him as god, he required us to worship him alone. And when I said to him, to my client, I wish I had in my life what you have in your life, he looked at me and he said, do you go to church? And I stared at him and inside of me I thought, I knew you are crazy. I don't know why I asked you. But he wrote something on a piece of paper and gave it to me. And he said, this is the address of our church. Would you come to church? And I found myself saying to my client, yes, I'll come to my church. I mean, the craziest thing that a lawyer in Romania mm. at that time could do. Now, let me, let me ask you this. You said that... Nikolai Ceausescu, he declared himself as God? Yes. So this was like in the news and this was a, a thing that everybody heard about yes, in the yes, country? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes. When, when was this and what, what years, what decade? In 1980s. You know when you have, uh, when you replace God with, with the government and you give more and more control of the leader of the government, they have a tendency to create themselves as mm. dictators. They have have no accountability and they start to believe that they are God and the next things they will act like God. Many of them will not say, but he said it. He, yeah. he required that. So, yeah. so this, this man invited you to church. Yes. And so what happened then? When I went to church, first of all, I heard the song. I heard the song as I entered into the church. I heard the song, Sinner Come Home. Wow. And as I walk inside of the church, I'm thinking, I don't know if, if the government will arrest me. I don't know if they will take my license away from me. So you could me. have gotten arrested yes. for going to church? Was this an underground church at someone's house? No, it was, it was public. But because we receive from American government the most favored national status, few of the churches will be open 
open, but in the same time, spies from the government will be there all the time. Oh, wow. So I'm coming into this church fearful that I might be arrested or my license will be taken away. And I hear this song, Sinner Come Home. And inside of me, I'm saying, oh, this place is good. These people have a celebration. A man is coming home today. His name is Sinner. <laughs> and they have a celebration. It's going to be okay. This is what I knew about God. This wow. is what I knew about sin. You didn't know what sin was. No, wow. I did not know. I did not know because we didn't have Bibles. People that will share the gospel will be in jail and so forth. So here I am. I go inside. My client tells us where to to sit. And the pastor came, opened the Bible and read Jesus Christ said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And in that church, quiet, everybody was quiet and respectful. Imagine that you hear somebody saying, what? It was me. (laughs) Because I was saying, what? And Christ came alive to me. I realized that I was looking at the wrong places. The truth cannot be found in the law books, Mm. but truth is Jesus Christ. And I accepted Christ that day, and I realized that it was God who put the fire in me. There was God's mission and appointment to defend Christians for persecuted in Romania. I did not have to look for clients. They will come to me because nobody will take their case. Now, in America, usually at this part of the story... Someone goes to church, they're now a Christian, and in America, a lot of times then it's, then life was happily ever after. But in your case, you're living in a country where now things are about to get really bad because, like you said, Christians get in trouble. They're against the government. And so how did your life change once you became a Christian? Well, first of all, it turned my life upside down. I was trained by my church, and I am so grateful. I was trained for six months about who God is and who I am and everything, and that was so important because I received from reading the Bible, from praying, I received that strength and boldness that was necessary for me to go to the courtroom and defend those Christians. But in the same time, the more I defended Christians, the more I became the target. The government called me an enemy of the state and my legal work an act of treason. And they arrested me every single day. They would beat me, torture me and say, you need to stop. Unknown to me, when I was in Romania and I was surrounded by the Berlin Wall, we did not have any access except Voice of America and Free Europe to listen. I didn't know that my cases became part of the United Nations reports on human rights violations and part of uh, United States Department of State's human rights violations in Ceausescu's Romania. So you're in a country that's totally cut off from all media from the rest of the world. So as far as you know, this is just how life is. You don't realize that other countries are looking at you and your case specifically 
and they're using it as a crime, an example of a crime happening against humanity. Exactly. Wow. I, I remember late at night, even though we were told not to listen to Voice of America and Free Europe, I will listen. There was not a law against this, but that's how socialists and communists works with fear and lies and other things. And I was listening to Voice of America to hear the news. And all of a sudden, I realized I became the news. They were talking about... You heard stories about yourself about myself, Voice of America. Voice of America, how I defended churches, what I said, what arguments I used, how small I am, under five feet tall and 82 pounds and everything. And I am going through joy to fear. Yeah. And the reason is joy that everybody knows about what I am doing, the fear knowing that outside of my home, they were guards of uh, Ceausescu that could have come inside of my home and kill me right away on, on the pretext that I'm a spy for America. And again, just to give our listeners an idea, Ceausescu, what did his regime do? What is he known for? Like how many people died under his hand? And, oh, and he was a dictator, but he was a very clever man. Anyone who considered or called him stupid is not knowledgeable of how a dictator works. He lied to the Western civilization because he was the only one who stood against the Russian invasion of Czechoslovakia at that time. And the whole Western civilization embrace him and he suppress us inside. He, for example, he will take all the money from the uh, most favored national status benefits that America will give yeah. to build his palace and we will starve to death. And he will say to radio and television and he will ask us to repeat after him or kids at school that we live in a golden era. Mm. But I want to emphasize one thing to our audience, because what I said is that unknown to me, Voice of America, people, Congressman Frank Wolf, Christopher Smith, Secretary of State under President Ronald Reagan, will come to Romania and talk with me. And many of the, the things I, I didn't know, I want to tell you that God is not obligated to tell us everything that he is doing behind the screen. We don't have to know. We have to uh, have faith in Christ. But God used all this to protect me to help me develop. And even in the, the book, Saving My Assassin, will show you stories after stories how God used heroes in my church, you know, congressmen, senators, even President Ronald Reagan to be involved in this. And I am telling you, you don't have to know all the blueprint. You have to have faith. You don't have to know what God is doing. He put even the president of United States, the most powerful person, to protect me. You are a child of God. Just have faith. Do what God is asking you to do. And you will be amazed of what God is doing. I'm doing the same thing now in America. And God is faithful and doing the same thing. I think that's a great message and inspiring. I was going to ask you, what would you say to the modern church? But you just answer that. And you certainly went through a very dangerous, perilous time. And I'm sure we want to lead up to her testimony. But I was just really led to tears when I, when I read your testimony online. And it's just such an inspiring message and testimony. But 
Eddie, we want to hear. Yeah, so Virginia, so you're in a place now, you're a Christian, you're being persecuted by your own government, you're, you're getting beaten, you're getting oppressed, was it by the secret police or something? Yes, okay. yes. Which is typical in, in this kind of communist reg- regime. Like, like the KGB in right. Russia. Yeah. Okay. But then they ratcheted up a notch and it went from beating to now they were planning on actually assassinating you. Yes. So what mm-hmm. happened there? First of all, God will work with you gradually. Mm. When he, I was under interrogation room and they beat me, they hit me with the head on the table or hit me into the walls and I was full of blood. God whispered to me and said, tell them that I love them. And I said, with all the pain inside of me, I said, I don't like what you're doing, but God loves you you and I decide to love you. And those guys, six feet tall with guns everywhere, responding and hearing screams from the dictator telling them what to do. They turned their their heads crying because they didn't know what to Mm. do. Christ's love expressed to you will conquer every single person. Mm. But the dictator did not stop there because I will tell you there is a story in the book that shows, and I give the documents to the American embassy and President Ronald Reagan had those documents that make him and the Congress take the most favored national status from the dictator. Wow. So when President Reagan had those documents and called the dictator, the dictator decided to create the perfect plan to kill me, to look like a mad client just killed me. So he sent an assassin to to my office in a form of client, a new client. So when the assassin came to my client, remember, I had microphones everywhere, in my home, in my office, so they knew about my whereabouts. The government had put microphones, they were spying on you. Yes, exactly. And he came exactly when my assistant was ready to leave. So my assistant led him inside of my office as a new client, and she said goodbye for the day. When he heard that my, my assassin, when he heard that my assistant locked the door to, to the office, he pulled his jacket, took his gun and pointed to me and say, I'm not your client. I'm here to kill you. And he was screaming, but not screaming. He had a joy that I haven't seen to someone live describing how he's going to kill me because he said that by doing this assignment, he's going to be number one in dictator's elite army because he volunteered to do this and he had instructions for him. And I was fearful. My my knees were shaking. Remember, he was 6'10 and I was under five feet tall and 82 pounds. There is no, it was no way for me to run or do something. So I was in my chair shaking and I thought that I'm going to die. But in all this noise outside of me from him and inside of me, I heard the Lord saying, share the gospel. And I share the gospel, but I have to tell you in Romania, because we have the Bibles just for a short period of time, and we memorize the Bible verse, the gospel, or we will write the gospel on, on a piece of paper. So Bibles in Romania, there's not a lot of them, no. so you're sharing them. Yes. So you only have them for a little while, mm-hmm. so you memorize as much as you can. Exactly. Wow. So when the Lord said, share the gospel, it was very easy for me to recite 
denied the gospel. And I remember telling him that I understand that he has a job. I understand. But I said, I have a job and I would love to share something with you. Would you like me to share? And he said, yes. So this guy is pointing a gun at you. He's about to kill you. And you're having this conversation with him. Where in the world did that kind of strength come from? From the Lord, because like I said, he trained me for years and years under persecution to see the man in front of me as a creation of God, Uh, as a person that he was, he was a slave in an enemy's tent. He was not my enemy. He was God's enemy. And God wanted to use me as a tool to use through the Holy Spirit to bring him from the tent of the evil one to the cross. So that's the way I saw him. And that's the way I started to talk with him. I was just going to say, as Christians, we all know that Jesus gave us two great commandments, right? Yes, exactly. Love the Lord with all your heart over everything. And love your neighbor like yourself. Love your enemies as well. Exactly. Now, like Eddie said, here in America, we potentially have trouble with that. Exactly. And even for praying for people afar that are not in front of us. You had this man with a gun pointing at you, yes. and your job was to love him. Yes, yes. And not only that, but after so many years and being beaten, tortured, I fell many times. It might sound crazy to you, but it's real, real to me. It makes me bring to tears. When they beat me, I felt like Christ was holding me. Mm. Christ was there whispering, I am with you. And that gave me so much strength, knowing that the Lord of the universe is there with me. And I had the same feeling when he said, share the gospel. I thought, if I go to heaven, I want to take you with me, even as you point the gun to me. That is, only God can do it. He's not human. And as I and I, as I share the gospel, with him, I noticed from the first time in my life something that is beyond your imagination. As I recite Bible verses to him, he put the gun on the table. His shoulders relaxed. He noted several times. And I see the power of God's word to my assassin. And as I look at him, I'm thinking as a human, when I finish, he's going to kill me. And that stopped my thoughts. And what do you do? You paraphrase. And I said two sentences from my own words because I was scared to death. He came back to, I'm here to kill you. That's my mission. And I pray like never before. And the Lord brought back the Bible verses and I recited back to him and he accepted Christ right there in front of me. You will find it in the book. And let me tell you, Shortly after that, President Ronald Reagan found out about what happened. He was afraid that the dictator would do something else, and he made a deal with the dictator. He said, we give you the most favored nation one more year with one condition, that you let Virginia come to the United States. When you are a child of God, he will put the most powerful person in the world to protect you. I did not know President Reagan. I knew he was a president of the United States, but I didn't know. I met him later on in life. Yes, I did. But this is our God. He will protect you. He will find a way to do it. And the other thing is, 
20 years. I came to United States of America. I didn't know one word in English, empty-handed, because the, the dictator took everything from us. I had two girls under 10 years old with me, and I was pregnant with my son. I came with my husband, who later on, shortly after we came to United States, left us, and I found myself in a foreign country. No money, no English, raising three kids. But God was with me all the way. I learned English. I went back to law school, this time in Dallas, Texas, SMU. I have my loan office. I wrote a book, Tyndale published, and people are saying I can't put it down. And English is my second language. <laughs> Ask yourself, where do you put God in a box? Hmm. What God wants to do in your life and you do not let him. I raised three kids. My first daughter graduated from SMU like me. My second daughter graduated from Harvard Law School and my son from United States Air Force Academy. This is the best country in the world. With God's help, you can rebuild your life. You can keep and even develop freedom that we have here for generations to come. We receive freedom. We have to keep the freedom and even extend it. And something else uh, happened. 20 years after I came to United States, and here I am in my law office. A man came to my law office with a case, and he explained the case and everything, and I'm listening to him, and all of a sudden, he's frustrated. He looks at me and said, Virginia, don't you recognize me? And I said, no. And he showed me his KGB, his security card, and I realized I was in front of my assassin. And I felt like the same feeling. I thought, oh, I'm going to die now here. And as I, he explained to me what happened to him and everything you read in my book, Saving My Assassin. And I explained to him that I'm writing my book. And he begged me to let him write a chapter in my book. And he wrote a chapter in my book. So the guy who was going to kill you has a chapter that he wrote in this book. Yes. And what God has done in, in his life, it's absolutely amazing. That, that really brings to life Romans 8.28, right? Yes, exactly. For all things work for good yes. to those who love him, for those he's called for his purposes. Amen. And I also, it's Proverbs 21, 30, who says, There is no wisdom, no insight, mm. no plan that can succeed against the Lord. I fought against a dictator who had everything at his fingertips. He had an army. He had even the Western civilization that didn't know all of them about him. And God helped me to be victorious against him. God used me as a tool in his hands. I went to a, with a television program back to Romania, and we did a lot of things in, in Romania. And we went to the courtroom, and we did there the program. And all of a sudden, as we did the, the television, some of my friends are not good friends from the old time in Romania, judges and lawyers and persecutors came there. And one of them said really, really loud for the television team to hear, Virginia, if you have any time, we would love to meet with you. So one day the leader of the television said, Virginia, you have this number of hours for tomorrow. Call your friends and you can go and meet with them. 
So here I am meeting in the courthouse in the rotunda, walking towards them. I see them smiling and I'm thinking, oh, they're going to tell me that they have houses and cars because now it's a democratic country. So or they married. I was wrong. Each one of them took me in their office and showed me the Bible on their, their desk. And they said, Virginia, when you were in front of me, the judge said, many times I thought about myself to kill you because you were putting my life in danger by giving you success in, because behind you, you had all the people from the Western civilization supporting you. But when the revolution came, we went to your church, we heard the gospel, and now we are lawyers for Christ. Your life is not for you. It's not. And, and they shared with me something that I want to share. I never thought about this, but I'm so grateful that they shared. They look at each other and they said, shall we say it? I said, come on, you made me see, you made me curious. What do you want to share? Said, Virginia, when you were in our courtrooms and you were guarded by your police and with guns bigger than you, many times we ask are we going to see Virginia again or she's going to be killed on the way home? But we all notice, all of us, we notice that your face was shining. I did not know that. It was the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. God will do amazing things through you. Don't wait for a blueprint. Don't wait and say that I don't have everything that I need to have. Don't think that I need to have this or that. God already put skills and talents in your path, in your life. Let God use you for your glory. And let me tell you something. As I walk back to the hotel, all of a sudden I remember, oh my gosh, I'm going back to United States and my kids will love some gifts from Romania. So all of a sudden I go across the street to the bookstore, but I walk across the street and I walk into the bookstore with the mind of Virginia in socialist, not even knowing. In socialist, all the bookstores, even libraries, schools, everything. If you were a good communist, you will have in your own home only books of a dictator, not even classics you will have. Everything will be burned. So I go with this mind in, I open the door and I walk two steps and half of the store is full of Bibles. And I couldn't walk anymore. I just knelt down there and I cried like a baby. And I said, Lord, it's overwhelming. Why are you showing me this? And I heard the Lord clearly saying, I change a country through you, Virginia. Your job is to go and tell people all over the world that I can change their country. I can change their neighborhood through them. So my challenge to you today is go in your closet, go home and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? I give you my life. You do through me and change America or change my neighborhood. Change me first and change my business. Change the way I walk with you and change America or the country you will be. And you will be amazed. I want to tell you, the biggest dream that you have for your life, it's nothing compared with the dream that God has for your life. 
believe me, he is still writing my, my story. People can hear me and invite me from Australia, from Canada, from Africa, from all over the world. People read my book and say, I accepted Christ. Your life was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And you are a worker for Christ. You are not here for you. You are here to shine for Christ. And this is my message. I want the Lord to be glorified and magnified. And I want you to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he will show you step by step. Mm. I hope to meet you one day. And I hope that you will tell me how the Lord used you for your glory. America needs to be changed by Christians. He said, if my people, that's, that's the hope of America, the hope of the world. And you are part of God's hope. But God, um, let me tell you this. If you refuse, don't think that God doesn't have someone else. No, you're going to be <laughs> the loser. No, God has people. But if you will, will accept to give your life and your future, to let him be king of your day, of your life. Your life will change the world through him. Wow, Virginia, that's such an inspiring, inspiring story. And, and again, if people want to get your book and, and learn more about you, where can they find you? VirginiaPradanBooks.com. If they want to buy the book, they can go to VirginiaPradanBooks.com slash product slash book. But they can find at VirginiaPradanBooks.com everything about my podcast, everything about my speaking, if they want to invite me to speak, everything about my life. And also they can ask me questions. They can contact me there and I'll be more than happy to, to help them and encourage them. And we have podcasts, we have training, we train individuals and we train corporations, everything. We are here to uh, glorify the Lord and encourage, encourage the body of Christ. Well, and you're doing just that. So thanks again so much for coming on our podcast today. Thank you so much. You are doing too, because by giving me an opportunity to speak here, you are part of this. I want to thank you so much for your ministry, uh, Living Water, that are doing such an amazing, an amazing job. And I want to say we all are small puzzle in God's big pictures of Jesus Christ. And I am grateful for, for your ministry too. We're grateful for you and for being part of our podcast. Thank you so much, Virginia. Thank you. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too, those of you who are listening. Just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters Podcast.